Welcome to Nutty Buddy Sports. I am your host, Ryan, and today we are going to talk about the NFC North. We do a division overview, then we talk about the Detroit Lions and the Minnesota Vikings. That's all here on Nutty Buddy Sports. Welcome everybody to Nutty Buddy Sports. Thanks for listening. Uh, just a few uh, things to update you on. Uh, me and Shannon, who joined me on this podcast to talk about the NFC North, we decided to split it into two different podcasts because we took a little time talking about the teams. So in this podcast, we will do a division overview. We will talk about the Detroit Lions and then the Minnesota Vikings. I will then do part two of the NFC North and then drop the podcast that includes the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, One other thing is I did not change my audio settings. So as you will be able to tell, I accidentally used my webcam speaker or microphone, I should say. So that's why my voice sounds very distant and not as clear as it does right now. So sorry about that. But uh, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy, and let's get into the NFC North preview. Hey, welcome to Nutty Buddy Sports Podcast, and today I am going to preview the NFC North, but I'm not doing it alone. I have a friend with me, Shannon. Um, He's going to help me preview the NFC North. We're going to do it uh, first, all the teams together, and then just uh, uh, specifically by team. Shannon, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm good. I'm excellent. Thanks for joining me today. This is going to be fun, I think. Uh, I always love talking football, so we'll see how this goes. Um, First of all, for the listeners, you want to tell uh, people a little bit about your sports background so they kind of get an idea about who you like, who you might not like, what kind of sports you watch. So I grew up in... uh little town called New London, Wisconsin. And it uh, is definitely a sports. I come from a sports background, grew up loving sports from my, my dad, my grandmother watched uh, the Green Bay Packers every game, uh, grew up every Wisconsin team, whether it's the Bucks, the, the Brewers, the Badgers. Yeah, I was always uh, Wisconsin sports mostly. Uh, I had a stint in there where I was uh, a big Terry Bradshaw, Lynn Swan fan. So I was a big Steelers fan for a while too. Nice. Excellent. So you had a little bit of the NFC in the AFC. So that's good. Um, so you, you said you're a Bucks fan real quick before we get into the football talk. How did you feel about the Bucks winning? Unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely. Unbelievable. Uh, when, when Giannis started to come on the scene, it was, it's must watch basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it definitely uh, brought some uh, more paying more attention to, to the basketball with the Bucks yeah. doing well. Yeah, yeah. He definitely changed, I feel like, the NBA among like Milwaukee Bucks fans in the area. So that's so true. It's excellent. Uh, and also, do you want to tell them a little bit about uh, your fantasy football background? Because... Uh, you got me into this big league. Do you want to tell listeners a little bit about that? <laughs> sure. So, uh, yeah, I didn't play fantasy football uh, from two. I did one. I tried it once in 2000 back in pencil and paper days. And it just wasn't to me. It wasn't that fun. And then uh, uh, 
a friend of mine, uh, Andrew, he uh, introduced me to fantasy football again in 2013. And with smartphones, I was like, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, it got me hooked. It didn't take long. It was, I wasn't very good starting off, but man, it's a fun game to play for sure. Appreciate, appreciate playing with you too. Yeah. So he's being a little modest though. He, he, one of the, one of the most uh, challenging, but in a good way league that I've been part of is the IDP league you set up uh, with uh, two conferences, 16 teams in each conference, uh, conferences, um, amazing i love it i'm glad you did that yeah i like how you think outside the box of fantasy you know like a lot of people just do the snake stuff which is good you know but i i like the more complex stuff that you kind of uh allowed me to be part of so thanks for that no thank you okay so let's uh we're gonna go ahead and get into our uh nfl preview we're actually i'm gonna have um preview shows for every single division shannon's gonna join me on this one and maybe a couple more uh, and today we are going to start with the NFC North. So why don't we get into it? Previewing the NFC North. The Packers finished uh, number one in the division. They were 13-3. Mm-hmm. They made the NFC Championship game. Then we had the Bears at 8-8, eight and eight, the Vikings at 7-9, and nine, and the Lions at 5-11. and 11. Um, Let me ask you this. Are you still a little hurt from the NFC Championship game as a Packer fan? It's all in the rearview mirror now. Uh, obviously, it's disappointing, but it's a new year. It's a new season. And uh, a lot of times you hear the NFL players say the same thing. It, it, yeah, it's things, but you get over it. As soon as you know, training camp rolls around, it's like, oh, let's go and and fix it. Do it right this time, for sure. Yeah. I was watching and rooting for the Packers as well, mainly because my wife's a Packer fan. And, you know, you just want the people around you to be happy. Um, sure. But, uh, yeah, that was that was a fun game to watch. It was a little disappointing. They couldn't pull it off. So let's take uh, just uh, questions in regards to the AF, NF, NFC North as a whole. So I know that we both did a, some prep work for the show. So let's just ask a couple general questions. In your mind, Shannon, who do you think had the best offseason of the teams? So I'm not being biased in this opinion, but I actually think the Green Bay Packers had the best offseason, uh, retaining the players that they did. And when you look at the other teams uh, in the NFC North, I think they fixed a lot of the problems they had, but I still think they have a little bit to go before they catch where Green Bay is, is at at this time. How about you? Yeah, no, I, uh, it's hard to argue with that, especially when, Aaron Rodgers came back to the Packers and they reconciled things at least for one more year. Um, I really did though, when I was doing my research, I actually really liked the Vikings off season because there were some things that when I was thinking about them last year, things that they had to fix that I felt they went out and got some players to help them, which we'll get into specifically. But so I, because you picked the Packers, I'm going to pick the Vikings just to keep it, you know, a uh, different difference of opinion, but it, it, the fact that they got Aaron Rodgers back, the Packers, uh, that's, <laughs> that's a, a win. One. <laughs> yeah, that's a huge one. Yeah, right. You're talking about a uh, 10 win difference, probably maybe more. Um, so who, who among the teams would you say had the 
if there is one and maybe and this is relative so even if it, this you know you're under this uh uh title i guess or this if you're categorized this way it's not offensive necessarily but would there be a team you'd look at and be like oh man i didn't really like their off season uh i think i would have to probably go with the lions just because when you give away your franchise quarterback and the jury's still out on on jared goff so to me that it, it, to me, it was not the smartest move. And I understand where they're coming from trying to start over a new culture and everything in there, which I'm sure we'll get to, but that was probably the team. I was probably the least favorite of what they did during the off season. Yeah. And that one, I don't have a different opinion. I kind of agree with that. Uh, understandably they're trying to retool, right? So mm -hmm. their off season's about kind of getting young, changing the culture. So you, their offseason isn't going to be the greatest. Uh, losing Matthew Stafford, that stinks. But they also lost two of, uh, two pretty solid wide receivers, too, which we'll probably talk about in a little bit. But uh, so, yeah, I would agree with you that they had the worst offseason uh, off of this team. So right now, who in the NFC North would you say has the best offense? I would still go with Green Bay uh, just because you're bringing back Aaron Rodgers. You it didn't really lose much in the off season on the offensive side of the ball. They brought back outside of Jamal Williams. Uh, you, you just signed Aaron Jones to a long contract to me. It's uh, they did what they needed to do to try to make another run towards the Super Bowl. Yeah. Get, getting Randall Cobb doesn't hurt, right. Them getting him back. If he can stay healthy, that's the biggest question mark with him. But yeah, I agree. You have Aaron Rodgers. You have the best offense. I, mean, I think it's that sort of simple. Uh, if we were just talking maybe like skilled position players, I might go with the Vikings uh, with Dalvin Cook, Jeffries, Thielen, um, Irv Smith, uh, those, those type of players. But uh, when you put Aaron Rodgers on that team, it's, it's like, I don't know if it's much of a contest. <laughs> <laughs> what what yeah, do you I, think? Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, when you look at the NFC North um, as, a, as a division compared to the other seven conferences, I think it's still weaker than some of the other conferences in the NFL. Uh, there's just, uh, I think, a gap between the Packers, the Vikings, and then when you get to the Lions and the Bears, I think there's a bigger gap and a bigger drop off there. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I was kind of thinking about like where I'd rate this team among the other, I mean, this team, this division among the other divisions. It's, it's strange because like, um, the NFC West with the Rams and the Cardinals and see that they're just going to beat each other up. But if I had to, I, I would almost say it's more likely two teams come out of this division just because of the low, like the Lions are going to get kicked around, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's almost two free wins. So yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, that, that thought is that it's just not as, as fun as some of the other divisions, who do you think has the best defense in this division? That is a good question. Uh, you know, I've heard good things about the Packers defense. Obviously, they're bringing in a new coordinator, defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. So we'll wait and see. But I, I would actually have to take Green Bay in this, too. Uh, I would like to, you know, think the Vikings would get back on track this year because they were known uh, – you know, for their defense and the same with the bears, 
but the last year we just saw a drop off and the Packers are, I think are on the rise with their defense. Uh, especially when you look at, uh, you know, like their draft and some of the guys they brought in. Yeah. You know, um, I, I would, I would personally, I'd probably pick the bears. Um, I still love Khalil Mack. I just think that uh, Van Fangio, right. Um, he can, he can coach. Fangio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Defense, the coach, he can coach defense. Uh, you're right. There was a little drop off last year with the bears, but I wonder how much that had to do with like looking on the other side of the ball and just kind of knowing that no matter how good you play on defense, like the other side of the ball is just not going to mm-hmm. get it done with Mitchell Trubisky as your quarterback. Um, so I'm going to say I, I probably I would pick the bears, but what, what I'm kind of fascinated by is um, the Packers new defensive coordinator. Um, can he, the, the, I think they, they were 15th last year in defense, if I remember correctly. And um, they were ninth the year before. So I'm, I'm kind of curious if he can get them playing better. Um, and, and like you said, they drafted defense, right? Um, yeah. You know, so I, I'm kind of curious. So I don't want, just because I, there's a lot of unknown with Green Bay, I kind of, I personally wouldn't pick them for best defense because I just don't know what they're going to look like with that defense of coordinator and stuff. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And Kevin King got a lot of slack for that uh, touchdown throw to Scotty Miller in the championship game. And there was a lot of talk that that was not all on Kevin King. That was coaching. Oh, yeah. He, that he was, they just kind of left him to hang, and it's not really all his fault. But, it, you know, is it, bringing in a, you know, a top notch corner, I think is going to help solidify Green Bay's defense. Yeah. It, it's funny because, like, I agree 100% with that. Like, I was when people, I was like, why is the defensive coordinator calling like zero coverage on, a play where you got to go for the end zone or nothing mm-hmm. basically. And that wasn't Kevin. I don't, I don't blame him necessarily for that play. Uh, Greg Williams, the jets defensive coordinator earlier that year did mm-hmm. something similar and got fired for it. So mm-hmm. like it, you don't do that. If you're a defensive coordinator, give them the field goal. You don't give them a touchdown. Exactly. So would you say, um, do you have an opinion as far as, uh, any like who had the best or worst draft of the division? So I'm going to, I'm going to say that the lions had a very good draft. There were, there are some guys, especially in the later rounds, they got a lot of buzz that I think were drafted way lower than what their draft stock was. And I think that the lions hit a good draft Obviously they're rookies, so we'll see what that brings, but I like, I like their draft. And then you have to, you have to like what the Chicago bears did moving up and getting Justin Fields because without, without finding that franchise quarterback, you're just going to be floundering in the NFL. And obviously they, they made a bad choice with, with Trubisky. He just didn't pan out what they were anticipating and what they gave up to get to get him. So if Justin Fields turns out to be a franchise guy, they had the best draft this year. But it it all depends on how on how he turns out, and we may not see him right away in the beginning of the season, but we'll but we will find out soon. I think. 
Yeah, I agree. I don't have anything more to add. I agree with you on both accounts. Um, the only thing I would say, the worst draft, Green Bay to me, and we'll get into the Green Bay Packers. You might you might feel differently, which would be okay. You know, it's okay to have mm-hmm. a discussion and stuff. But I just I didn't care for their draft too much um, personally. Uh, but we'll, we'll, maybe when we get to Green Bay, we'll talk about that more specifically. Um, did you did you have a feeling about as far as Green Bay's draft? And as far as real quick, just real quick, I'm saying as far as when you compare them to the other teams in this division, I'm not saying they had the worst draft of the NFL just in the NFC North. I don't think they had a bad draft. The thing is with, with the draft class, uh, you can't grade it off of what they do with their rookie season. It takes, a, you know, two to three years to know what you really, really got. If Eric Stokes can come in and be a starter um, and take over Kevin King's job, then I think uh, they had a great draft because some people may have thought that Eric Stokes was a little bit of a reach, but you look at how fast that guy is. You have four, two speed. He's definitely got the speed. And then when you look at the, the, the center they drafted from Ohio state in the second round, um, I've heard buzz in training camp that he is basically the biggest center that Aaron Rodgers has ever had. And that he is definitely playing the part and could be a day one starter. That'd be big for them because they lost their center and free agency. Correct. So correct. Yeah. Yeah. So that'd be big for them. Yeah. I just guess in comparison, we'll talk about it, but really in comparison to the other teams in this draft. And uh, I have a couple other complaints when it comes to green Bay, and this is as a non green Bay Packer fan. Like uh, my favorite team is the dolphins. I do root for the Detroit Lions. That's my my dad's team, so I always root for them. So my dad's happy. Um, but uh, I just I just have some things that maybe we'll talk about when we get to Green Bay. So you ready to get into these teams? Let's do it. Let's do it. Perfect. So let's go to our first team. Previewing the Detroit Lions. The big question. So what did you come up with for your biggest question surrounding the Detroit Lions? My biggest question for them is. First of all, um, Dan Campbell, it's the, the coach they brought in the, all the talk was, um, his, uh, biting off kneecaps yep, <laughs> other yep. opponents. and so I want to see if he's going to actually for once change what the, the Detroit lions are, is he going to change the culture? Is it going to be a really gritty, just give it everything you got for 60 minutes. That's my biggest question. Yeah, I actually had it down as a question too. I picked two just in case you and I had the same question. So I have a different one. Um, What is, and mine was worded a little differently. Just what is the gap between Patricia and Campbell, right? Because to me, Patricia, when they hired Patricia, I didn't like it. Okay. I, I did not like that. Uh, 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 higher at all. Um, and then I was proven right. Now, on the other hand, I did like Adam Gase getting hired by the Jets. So I was wrong there, but at least I was right about Matt Patricia. So I'm kind of curious about, like you said, can he truly change that culture? Can they get them to play 60 minutes? And can they um, get the young guys, these talented guys that the Lions are drafting every year because they're always in like the lower, you know, the, the early first round, I should mm-hmm. say, can they get the talented guys? Can they actually get the talent out of them? 
Correct. I would, I would agree with you. Yeah. So my, my biggest question was, um, are they truly invested in goth then? That was my other big question. So what do you think of that question? Do you think the lions are truly going to be invested in goth? I do not think so. I think that he is a rental. Um, I've heard in training camp that he had a wide open Brashad Perryman and threw it behind him and just missed him. So I think he has an issue with his accuracy. Uh, you know, um, I just don't see him being the, the franchise quarterback like Matthew Stafford was. That's just how I see it. I agree 100%. Um, they, they, the Lions GM, he came out and he talked about that they're invested in him, but I think it's because he's got a guaranteed contract for two years. So what else are you supposed mm-hmm. to say? Right. What, what really tipped me off, though, is the fact of the matter is he's throwing to guys like Perryman and Terrell Williams, and they did not keep their wide receivers around that they had last year. They did not draft wide receivers. They didn't really surround him with much talent. Um, so that, to me, shows, in my opinion, that they're truly in it for the long game. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Yes, and I think another, like another big question that I had uh, obviously is the wide receivers, but another one is the cornerback position mm-hmm. because they, they brought in, uh, Quentin Dunbar, who yes. I believe is in, involved in legal issues and has not been a training camp for personal reasons. Yep. I believe. And they actually just brought in, uh, another corner, um, Roby Coleman, I believe it is. Yep. That's right. That happened today. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Because they don't trust, uh, they, they have obviously Jeff Okuda and mm-hmm. he he's probably going to be a clear cut number one corner, but outside of that, um, they don't have anyone. I, I like the fact that they drafted a Fetty Melifanwu out of Syracuse. Uh, I was act it was actually someone that I was hoping the Packers would have taken, but, uh, the, that's another question I had was their cornerback. Yeah, it's a six-two guy, right? He's like six-two um, for, for the Lions. Um, the six, he's I think he's six-two, like two hundred eight pounds, and he ran like a four-four. Um, so I'm, it's like a four-four eight six, or something. He's six-three. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. excited about him. Um, last year when they traded Darius Slay only to draft Jeff Okuda, that's when I knew that it was not going to work for Pat, Matt Patricia because I never understood why you would trade to create a hole just to fill it because you're just, it's it, at the very best. It's just a, uh, it's an even move. It, it's a plateau move. And if Jeff Akuto becomes Darius Slay, Lions fans are going to be really happy. You know what I'm saying? So for yeah, sure. there's a, there's a lot of questions. Uh, did you have any other questions about the Lions? No. Okay. Dissecting the draft. What mm-hmm. you, you already kind of mentioned it. Is there any other picks you liked? Is there something that you questioned during the draft? How did you feel about the Lions draft? No, I, I think they had a very solid draft. Uh, one of the best things that's going to help Jared Goff is having a good line. And I feel like the Lions have a solid offensive line. They yeah. drafted Panay Sewell. And you can't go wrong when you draft a, a, a stud offensive tackle like him. Um, so... I think that uh, when you when you look at the draft, uh, they they also got Amon Ross St. Brown, 
And I could very well see him being climbing up the depth chart to be the number one before the end of the season, even. Yeah, not a very high bar for him. But yeah, I agree. I could see that as well. Uh, I really like the two defensive tackles that they drafted. I'm not even going to try to butcher their names. Um, but I hear I hear really good things about them in camp because I, I follow Detroit beat reporters and stuff. And they're, they're really light on their feet. What I like what they did in the draft, and this is, you know, understanding their rebuilding again, they started in the trenches. Mm-hmm. And and that's how you got that physical style of football. That's what you need to do. You got to get to the quarterback and you got to protect the quarterback. That's the most important things you can do outside of getting a quarterback. Right. So I really like that. They did that um, with the draft. Okay. Let's go to our next point. Favorite off season move. What was your favorite move that the Detroit lions made in this off season? If you have one, I, I don't really have one. I I would almost lean back again to starting over with a new coach because Matt Matt Patricia just lost the team. And so you, in order to start winning games, you need, you need a different mentality. You need a winning type, you know, uh, and not to say that uh, Dan Campbell is a rah-rah guy, but I think he earns the respect of his players I've heard that he is out there working out with his players, kind of setting the example for them. And that if Dan Campbell is that kind of a guy and he's going to lead by example that way, to me, that was the best move the Detroit Lions could have made. Yeah, and it seemed like um, any any ex-Lion that left Detroit never had anything good to say about Patricia. So it must, it must just be like a, a, a new breath of life, fresh air, whatever you want to call it, just for every one of those players to get a different head coach. Maybe they're, they're going to be very enthusiastic about it. Um, my favorite move was re-signing Romeo Cora. Okay. Um, that was their defensive end. He had 10 sacks last year. Um, he would pressure the quarterback. I really liked that move. I was really worried they were going to let him go. He's only 26, I think. Um, you know, again, I, I just mentioned that when you're building a, a team from the bottom, building within the trenches are so important because you've got to get to the quarterback. So letting a guy like that go would have been, to me, silly. And I, that that would be my favorite move that they did is they kept uh, Romeo Okora. I'll give you that. Least favorite off-season move. What was your least favorite move that the Detroit Lions made? My least favorite move is letting Kenny Galladay go. Uh, my man, my man, <laughs> Kenny Galladay is a stud wide receiver and to throw golf out there with, you know, even if he has a good line and gets an extra split second to throw the ball, if you don't have at least one skill position guy that can make some separation and, and open up the defense, you're just hanging him out there to dry. Yeah, I don't know how they would expect Goff to succeed at this point with, <laughs> with the weapons they have. Um, I think Galladay is only, what, 26? I, I, I don't know off the top of my head. I want to say he's like 26. I don't think he's that old. He only was drafted like three years ago. I just, I don't get why, because he's the same age as Goff. Goff is 26. So if you really believed in this guy... And even if you didn't believe in God, why, why would you let him go? You found him in the draft. I think he was a fourth round pick. He was this rare gem. And 
man, I just I couldn't get beyond that either. Man. I, I, I think it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous, and it's to me, it's not really a good start for the you know the new regime in that sense. There's there's things I really liked what they did, but letting Galladay go, I can't you know. And honestly, I didn't have any move that I'd rather talk about than this one, so I didn't put another <laughs> one down. <laughs> um, I guess Letty Marvin Jones go too, but he's a little older and I can understand that. It's just the holiday thing, man. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't either. Okay. Okay, let's go to our next point then with the Detroit Lions. Who is going to take the leap? So um, we can, this is going to be the player that you think will take a leap or needs to take a leap, however you would like it to be for the Detroit Lions if there's a player you could pick that you you think that has to or will take a leap uh is there a player on the Lions that you look at and think oh that's the guy so for the Lions I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna pick one on each side of the ball um I'm gonna take TJ Hawkinson and he may already be at that stage where he's a top-notch tight end but on the I'm gonna focus more on the defensive side and I'm gonna say Tracy Walker so like Tracy him. Walker is a, a safety that I don't know if he was in the doghouse last year or what, and Matt Patricia just didn't like him. But to me, I think he's one of those guys that if he can coordinate the defense um, and, and, and be a, a, a strong safe, like a safety, uh, he, I think he is the guy that needs to take that leap. I agree with that. I love Tracy Walker. I felt he was definitely underutilized by Matt Patricia. And there's, I mean, that was one of the many questions you had about his coaching, but uh, yeah, I agree with that. So I did have two on both sides of the ball as well. My first one for offense is TJ Hawkinson, just like you, but I would say that I think he will take a leap. So he is not up there in like the top, I would say five or seven tight ends. You probably would get uh, but he has the talent and the raw ability to do so. Um, and he's going to be Jared Goff's basically only target. So I think he will take a leap. I think that's someone that has to take a leap. And this is one thing that you mentioned when we were talking about the Lions, their secondary de- depth, Jeff Okuda. He needs to take a leap. He was not really great last year. Partly could be due or a lot could be due, could be because of coaching. Like maybe he wasn't being utilized correctly. Maybe the the defense was complex. Maybe Matt Patricia was just an awful head coach. Maybe it's all the above, but he needs to take a leap to me to justify being that pick number three that he was last year. He was taken pretty high and I, I I didn't, I I understood it. I liked him, but I went to pick him that high. I have like fast rules when it comes to the draft drafting corner that high is one. No, it's long. Same with tight ends in the top 10. So TJ Hawkinson, I think, was the eighth overall pick the year before. That's another <laughs> no to me in the draft. You never take a tight end that high in the draft, but they did both my draft no's. But but those so are I heard, the two. I heard an interesting point that out of all the positions that have the biggest hit rate on a high draft pick, the top two positions are offensive tackle and cornerback. Really? Yes. Okay, uh, so uh, I didn't know corner if was. you study the analytics and you study all the data, those two positions have the highest hit rate from NFL teams in their, in their draft stock. 
so see, this is why I'm not an NFL GM because I would <laughs> never draft a corner that high. I just wouldn't. I don't know. Um, but I, I guess I could see it. Defending the pass is really important. And I guess to get a guy that can cover is, but like, I think of like Xavier Howard, he wasn't that high of a pick and he's one of the best corners and, you know, just thinking of the, the, the dolphins for a second, you know, like I mm-hmm. can't, you know, Jalen Ramsey, he was drafted pretty high though. He was like seventh or something like that. So, yeah. I was just thinking back to some of the Packers top-notch uh, corners, like Tremont Williams was an undrafted free agent, Sam right. Shields, another, t- you know, number one corner for a while undrafted free agent. So uh, yeah, it, it doesn't say everything, but certainly you draft a corner as high as Jeff Okuda at number three, overall, you, you need him to be a stud. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I think that's, he, he needs to take a leap is how I'll word that. I don't know if he will. I think TJ Hawkinson will take a leap. What will determine a successful season? The Detroit lions, what will make or break their season? You could go a lot of different directions. Obviously quarterback is, is huge. Yeah. I've heard that, uh, none of the quarterbacks have really been impressive in training camp so far. They obviously brought in Tim Boyle. Um, they have uh, Blau, I believe, is the backup to yeah. Goff. And none of them are really uh, – they just they're – the, they're not the guys. And so, obviously, quarterback is easy to say. Wide receiver is another one because they're, they just don't have anybody. You know, TJ Hawkinson is probably their number one receiver and he's a tight yep. end. Exactly. Yeah. So to me, the other position you could argue about is linebacker. They've never had a stud inside linebacker. Um, Jamie Collins is probably their best linebacker and, yep. and he's an edge guy. Right. So uh, they don't really have that lockdown, get the tackle middle linebacker. Yeah. Yeah, no, I could see all those um, all those positional groups affecting their season. What I'm going to do, I'm going to do a little bit differently. This is what I, I put. What's going to make or break the Lions season is really the growth of the young stars and changing their identity and culture. Um, I don't think they're going to be that successful this season as we get into our next part where we talk mm-hmm. about the floor and ceiling. Even if they have a good season, I don't think it'll be that good. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, that's not what I'm looking for if, as a Detroit, somebody who roots for the Detroit Lions. What I'm looking for is the talent that they have that's young. I want them to get better. I want to see noticeable difference. And if you are preaching this identity and culture change, you know, you mentioned it early on when you talked about getting them to play competitive for 60 minutes and, and, and grinding in the trenches. I want to see that. So that to me is going to be a, the make or break for the Detroit Lions season. That makes sense. Uh, that makes sense to me. I, I actually like your answer better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> sometimes I read my own questions over and I understand what I'm getting at, but sometimes um, it can, uh, it can, you know, be confusing, but here's the thing. You're right too. Like it, if let's say Jared Goff becomes what he was, what, three years ago under Sean McVay, where he's like basically getting the Rams to the Super Bowl and you find a, a gem or two in the wide receivers or and you get your linebackers to play good, they're going to have a much more successful season. So you're yes. right, too. It's just a different perspective of the way we're, we're looking at the question. So, okay, let's go to our next point then. 
their floor, their ceiling. Floor. What's the floor and ceiling for the Detroit Lions this year, Shannon? So for if you're talking floor is amount of wins, I, I'd say that I, I'm going to give them a minimum of four wins. You have to think that it's a 17-game season this year. Uh, I don't see them winning less than four. Um, so I, I'm going to say four is the floor for them. The ceiling, I, I think, is if they if they win seven games, I think that's that's a good season for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I like your answer way better than mine. My floor, I put top three pick. That's that's the floor. <laughs> I could see them being a top three pick this year. Whether that's two wins, three or four wins, I could see them picking in the top three again. The ceiling, I have five and 12. I don't know if they'll win more than five games. I just don't trust Goff. And even if I had a little bit of hope for Goff, I just don't think the Lions put enough around any any quarterback to be successful. Maybe Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, but like if you put Ryan Tannehill in, in that position, I don't think they have that successful of a season. And I think Tannehill is better than Goff. So, you know, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Okay. Excellent. All right. Let's go to our next team then. Previewing the Minnesota Vikings. The big question. So Shannon, what is your biggest question for the Minnesota Vikings? So my biggest question is on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, as we mentioned before, they have great skill position players on the offense. Uh, to me, it's the defense. They, they gave up a ton of points last year. And I think part of that was the fact that they didn't have much of a pass rush. Their star defensive end, Daniil Hunter, was, was hurt all season. And to me, the biggest question is whether or not when he comes back, uh, they can get back to putting pressure on the quarterback to give them some, some turnovers and some, maybe some good three and outs. I like that one. Yeah. Um, my big question is, will the Vikings own line be good enough to keep Kirk Cousins safe? He's got to feel safe. What we've seen in Kirk Cousins career is basically like, if he isn't getting hit, he's a good quarterback. If he's getting hit, he's a bad quarterback. So can the offensive line make him feel safe? Well, you're nicer than me because I don't think he's that great of a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I think he's average. I think there's like when it comes to quarterbacks, um, my feeling is there are quarterbacks that are average that can look good under the right circumstances. I think he's one of those quarterbacks. He's like when he's in Washington or even in Minnesota, he'll have really good games. But if you look at like the good games he has, it's because he feels safe. He's not getting hit. Um, what separates like the average quarterback from the good, the good from the great, the great from the elite is how they do under pressure. Uh, so that's what makes him not, I wouldn't, I would say he's average, not good. You know what I'm saying? Like, but he has the potential to be a good quarterback if things are perfect around him. To me, a good so, quarterback. Yeah. And, and what makes the difference between an average quarterback and a good quarterback is when a quarterback is having an off day, he still finds a way to win the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To me, Kirk Cousins just isn't that guy. Yeah, no, that's true. He, he, he has, he has tr trouble closing games. 
dissecting the draft. Uh, so let's talk about the draft. How did you feel about the Vikings draft? It was fair. Um, there wasn't anyone that stood out to me that um, was going to move the needle a ton this year. Um, if you want to talk about um, guys they brought in, I think they did better in free agency than they did in the draft. Obviously, the first round they took uh, that offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech, Christian Derisaw. Mm-hmm. And obviously offensive line, they needed help with and keeping Kirk cousins upright, certainly very important. So I don't think that was a bad pick, but I think they had more needs and yeah, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. So I, I, I was like, for their draft, me personally, I was I was impressed that so they were after that Christian Durasaw. That's what reports said. Mm-hmm. That's who they wanted uh, to trade back, get two extra picks, and still get their guy. That was impressive. Now, like you mentioned, we just got to wait and see if he becomes something. If he becomes an All Pro tackle that keeps Christian uh, Christian uh, Kirk Cousins, if keeps him upright. Uh, then it was worth that pick and that trade round. I just thought the maneuvering that they did was impressive in the draft. So I want to give them credit for that. I'm kind of interested. I don't know much about, I, I've, I've heard like reports about him or read little things about him, but that mod at quarterback, I don't mm-hmm. know much about him, but a lot of people thought that was an interesting pickup at the time. Um, so I, I, I sort of agree with you. It's sort of a fair, I would say it's a, it was a fair draft for them. Like, you know, it, you know, you didn't feel bad about it. You didn't feel great about it. But what I did like is they got their guy that they thought they could take where they were, but they traded back and got him mm-hmm. two extra picks, which that that's, I think, the way to do drafting. So let me ask you this. Do you think that do you think Kirk Cousins will be able to play all 17 games? That's a great question. Um. He he's he is pretty durable, so I don't know if uh, he. That's a good question. I think he would be. Uh, this is how I'll put it. I think that he will will more than likely be benched by performance versus getting injured. I would be more surprised if he got injured because he doesn't typically get injured. He gets. He gets beat up a lot, but I don't think he usually misses games. What about you? So the reason I brought this question up is because I've heard a lot of controversy of the fact that he's been somewhat uh, very in the forefront about not getting uh, the COVID vaccine. Mm. And if uh, he does become a close contact and he has to go on the COVID list, if he does contract COVID, uh, there's a good chance he could end up on the the you know, being inactive for two, three weeks. So that's, that's a concern for the Minnesota Vikings. I think. It's true. That's a good point. Yeah. With the whole COVID thing, there is always that. I would say if, if we take, but you, you can't because it's a big problem in the world today. If you take out the COVID thing, that, that my answer still stays the same, but that's a good point. Yeah. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how that plays out with a lot of these players too, because I think the mm-hmm. Andre Hopkins even said something about like, he yep. thought about retirement. So yep. yeah, we'll see what happens. Favorite off season move. What was your um, favorite move? The Minnesota Vikings made. So my favorite move hands down 
is bringing in defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson. I like that one. Dalvin yep. Tomlinson is, he is a beast and you need someone to help out Daniil Hunter. Uh, someone that's going to take the double teams that allows Daniil Hunter to get to the edge because Daniil Hunter can wreak havoc on, on the offense. Yeah. Um, if, if, if the defensive line can be solid, I can see Daniil Hunter getting, you know, 12 sacks this season. Yeah. I like that. I like that pick. I had that written down um, as, as my second option. My first was what they did in the secondary. Um, bringing in Alexander, uh, bringing in Patrick Peterson and bringing in Xavier Woods, some veterans that can help out because uh, last year their t- secondary got pretty torn up, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. So I like that they went with some veterans who have some success. Now, Patrick Peterson isn't what he used to be, but he's still pretty okay. Like he's still pretty good. So I, I liked um, their secondary the, as their favorite favorite. I, I know it's only one move, but I felt like I would lump them together because I just liked that they were trying to fix their secondary. Least favorite off-season move. Piano, do you have a least favorite move that the Vikings made? You know, I am actually going to, I, there is not a move that I think was a bad move. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a least favorite move for this team. Um, I guess if I had to pick one, um, yeah, I don't even know if I can pick one. I just, I, I don't really have a least favorite move for the Vikings. I think they did what they needed to do. Uh, like you said, in what they did in the draft, how are they were able to get their guys and stay where they were. I, I guess I would have liked to seen them, you know, maybe you, you can't even say, you know, go after another skill position player as a, because I think that their third wide receiver is probably going to be, could very well be KJ Osborne. I've heard a lot of buzz with him in camp, but yeah, I, I don't really have a least favorite one for the Vikings. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because when I was looking it over, neither did I. So I kind of like went with something a little more like how I felt at the time. And that is just them passing up Justin Fields. That's what I put my least favorite move. Now, if they didn't believe in Justin Fields, I don't blame them. Like if they didn't want to get him, because if you tie yourself to a quarterback, that's your job. Mm-hmm. Unless if you're the Bears and you draft Mitch Trubisky, then they let you do it one more time. But that would have been like my least favorite move on a personal level. Like I would have, because I don't think they, they drafted a quarterback in the third round. So they must have their mm-hmm. doubts about Kirk cousins. And we know Kirk cousins, isn't an elite quarterback or a great quarterback, right. At, at the very least um, we know that for sure. So that would have been my least favorite. If, if I had to pick one for them is just passing up Justin Fields, right. They had an opportunity to draft him or no. No, they didn't trade up for him. That's right. Yeah, they didn't. They, they yeah, were they didn't at 23. Pass up. Right. Mm-hmm. So they they were, I think they were at 11. And then the, oh man, well, how did that work? I should have looked this up. I, I thought for some reason they passed on him, but I think they were at, um, man, I'm going to check this out. This is podcasting at its finest right here. <laughs> um, I thought they stayed where they were, but I could be wrong. I thought they traded down to get um, 
their guy. They got two extra picks. Yeah, so they had the 14th pick. And then they, oh, they traded. Did. Yeah, they traded down. Okay. Yeah, so they had the 14th pick. They traded down. The Bears, I believe they jumped from 20 to get Justin Fields. So I guess that's that's what I should say is that they didn't go aggressive. I would have liked to see um, Minnesota be a little bit more aggressive to draft uh, Chicago, uh, Justin Fields at number 11 because they would they they wouldn't have had to give up as much. And I'm I'm pretty sure that the Giants would have rather picked 14th than 20th. Probably, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. They didn't want to have had to only move up three spots because I believe Justin Fields went 11. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah, so that that's what I, I meant is not passing up Justin Fields, but being more aggressive for Justin Fields. But that was personal. I, I just thought, wouldn't it be cool to watch like Justin Fields throw it to Thielen and and uh, Jeffries and I mean Jefferson and uh, Irv Smith and have Delvin Cook? That would just been <laughs> pretty awesome to watch. But yeah, for sure. Who is going to take the leap? Which player do you think needs to take a leap or will take a leap uh, for the Minnesota Vikings? So I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball here and I'm going to go with corner. I'm going to say Cameron Dantzler. I believe he was a first round pick last year and uh, they gave up some pretty big plays on the defense. So uh, they have Harrison Smith there. Um, they brought in Bashad Breland. Obviously, they brought in Patrick Peterson. Um, I'm going to say Cameron Dantzler is, is my guy that needs to take that leap and, and be a, to be that solid shutdown corner. I like that one. They need, they need all the secondary help they can get. <laughs> um, mine is Irv Smith. Irv Smith Jr. So two years ago, he was a second-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Kyle Rudolph is gone now. So now it's your time to shine. So I would I would say that he needs to take a leap. Uh, part of part of uh, a way I should say a way to keep Cousins upright and comfortable is by giving him someone he can rely on to throw the ball to in the middle of the field. Irv Smith needs to be that guy. That is good. I like that. What will determine a successful season? Which player or position group? Uh, do you think will make or break the Minnesota Vikings ceiling? I'm going to say the wide receiver group. We all know that Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson are the number one, number two, probably intertwined. It could be either way. Uh, Obviously Justin Jefferson had that killer rookie season. I don't think anyone saw that coming out of the the wide receiver draft class from last year. Right. But uh, he certainly lived up to the hype. Now, um, I, I heard that he has a, a sprained AC joint in his shoulder. Oh, and so to me, um, you know, if, if that's a nag, like a nagging injury for him this season, then to me, that's, that's trouble for the Minnesota Vikings, because I think they need both those guys to perform well this year, uh, to give, to give Kirk Cousins you know, some big plays down the field. That's my, that's my take on it. I, I, I love that one. Um, I, and it's kind of go a, a little bit into mine too, which is the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
and it's all about get, giving Kirk Cousins help, which goes to the fact that he's just <laughs> he's really just an average quarterback that can be good if the the circumstances are right around him. Um, and then give that would give him time to get the ball to those wide receivers you were talking about, to those skill p- position players. Uh, I think if they can. And, and, you know, even if their defense is middle middling, you know, that they're, they're not like great or good, but they're average. You could still win the game with that type of talent on the offensive side of the ball. So you've got to get your playmakers the ball. So the offensive line has to keep Kirk Cousins, you know, you got to keep him feeling safe. I agree with you. I'll, I'll, I actually like, I like that better than mine. I think you're right. The offensive line, they need to do well. Well, I think they go like personally, I, I think they go hand in hand because, it, it, you know, what's going to make or break really uh, maybe, maybe the what we're, we're, we're both kind of agreeing on is maybe the real answer is Kirk Cousins is going to break or break. <laughs> so, that very well could be the, 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 the problem there. Yeah. <laughs> right. So if, if Kirk Cousins is feeling safe and his playmakers are making plays for him downfield and, and, and you know, after the catch and stuff, the, the Vikings are going to have a good season. If uh, he's not safe, he doesn't feel safe. If the, the, the playmakers can't do much or get the ball in their hand, uh, they're not going to have a great season. So <laughs> it's, it, I think it's all, it's all good. I think both the, the skilled position players, the wide receivers and the offensive line. Their floor, their ceiling. What do you have, Shannon, for the floor and ceiling of the Minnesota Vikings? All right, for the floor, I give them – eight wins to me the, there's no reason that with the talent they have uh they shouldn't win less than eight games for a ceiling i would give them 13 wins i oh, think wow. that they i think that they could very well be a surprise uh you know it, very similar to how the packers kind of surprised everybody a couple of years ago in 2019 no one thought the packers deserved to be 13 and 3 mm-hmm but yet they were, and they quietly won 13 games. Um, obviously, that's out of 17 regular season games. Right. But I think that that is the ceiling. I think that they obviously are the second team behind the Packers, and they could very well win 13 games. I think they have the roster that could do that. But whether or not they will remains to be seen. Yeah, I like, I like that. So would you say real quick, I just want to – uh, put you on the spot here. So with that being said, would you say in the NFC North, would you say that the Minnesota Vikings have the biggest gap between floor and ceiling for you? Uh, absolutely. Okay. I would say so yeah. because uh, to me, there's the biggest question as to how they're going to play because last year I thought they were obviously down from where I thought they were going to end mm-hmm. the season. So I think the ceiling is there for them to hit that, but it just it always leaves me leery that well they could yeah they could be a middle team. Yeah. No, I like I like that answer. I feel the same exact way. My floor for them is seven and ten. Uh yeah, seven and ten. Um if if they cannot keep I know it, it sounds like a broken record, but really if you can't keep Kirk Cousins right, he they're not going to they're not going to get to where they're potential is when you consider the entire the rest of the roster and then i have 11 and 6 as their ceiling that was okay. that was their ceiling to me um but you know 
that's also because I, I'm I'm picking the Packers to beat them twice, you know, and then maybe them to go one and one against the Bears mm-hmm. and then they beat the Lions twice. So three losses within the division and then maybe three more outside of the division. But I, I would agree with you that they're the the floor ceiling, they're the biggest gap for me personally. Yeah. And a two at the line, if there's no place for Dalvin Cook to run, you know, that that could be trouble for them. Yeah. Yeah, he, you know, I love him though. When you watch him run, he's such a tough runner. I mean, he's not like, well, he he's pretty good. I'm not gonna say that, but yeah, that's <laughs> that's good. as long as he stays healthy. That's right. He's got to stay healthy. Yeah. Thanks again so much for listening. That is me and Shannon breaking down the NFC North. Uh, just a general discussion: the Detroit Lions and the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, look out for when I drop the podcast. It should be shortly after this one. Uh, that uh, talk that where we talk about the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can always email me at nuttybuddy at gmail If you have predictions of your own, and uh, please follow me on Instagram at nuttybuddy sports. That's where I show when I drop podcast um, regarding sports. So that's nuttybuddy underscore sports. Thanks again so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.